Ew. KXNO Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Condon with you here until noon. Murph and Andy come your way today at uh, 2 o'clock, and then the Fanatics will be in here uh, to bring an end to the local programming in 2019. Right now, Bama Bob, you heard the music. Uh, Trent Bama and I will go around college football, take a look back at the playoff games, and maybe a quick peek ahead uh, to New Year's Day. Scott Dockerman coming up in about 25 minutes as well. Hello, Bama Bob. Trent and Ken, how are you, sir? Doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well. Doing very well. Let's um, let's start with the two playoff games, Bama. They were the uh, main course, if you will. You know what? I know that LSU blew out Oklahoma, uh, and the game was really awful, but I still couldn't turn it off because just witnessing what Joe Burrow was doing, um, you just wanted to see you know, how high he could reach with those stats and with those records. He seemingly was breaking every time uh, the offense was on the field. Bama, what a dominating performance out of a quarterback, uh, Joe Burrow. That was amazing. Yeah, that was pretty special. Um, and, Ken, I, I've heard talk, and I agree, that, you know, listen, Clemson's going to be a, a, a tough opponent, probably a tough opponent, tougher opponent than Oklahoma was. Oh, for sure. Um, not to say Oklahoma didn't deserve to be there, because really there was nobody else right. that that deserved to fill that spot. I mean, in, in reality, and uh, if LSU is able to, they're not going to do to Clemson what they did to Oklahoma by any means. But if they win that game, you know, seventeen, twenty, twenty-one points. If it's if it's similar to the way Clemson beat Alabama last year, let's just put it that way. Um. We're going to be talking about an all-time team here because mm. you start looking at what they've done. Really, the only team that has slowed them down at all this year was Auburn, uh, and I think that was a what twenty-three twenty game. We saw them going to Tuscaloosa, and I know that that to me that to me, and this is going to sound you know you know homerish or or whatever, but that to me is one of the the real disappointments of this season is that we didn't get to see Tua and Burrow go at it with both of them fully healthy because it was obvious in that game that Tua wasn't healthy and you know 100 percent I'm not I don't know that there would have been a different outcome I just know that that was to me we kind of got robbed of that as college football fans but all that said man I mean I've I have not seen a quarterback just be in such command of an offense, just total command of an offense. And he did this without his best running back. Right. And that's where, you know, you go into this game and you think, oh, man, Edwards Hilaire. And yep. Even though, you know, the kid at, at Oklahoma, I can't remember the kid's name, the, 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 one of the cheapest shots you're ever going to Oh, that was see. awful. 44? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, was yeah, and it was he was rightfully ejected yeah. on that play. And, and why wouldn't you know what, no Bama? Defending. Here's the crazy part about it: he had no designs on tackling Joe Burrow. There was one That's thing exactly on his right. mind. 
Yes. It was like he was trying to take out uh-huh. a player out of the game that wasn't really in the game to begin with. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it was obvious that Edwards Hilaire, they weren't going really to use him that much. Yeah. Radley Hiles, know, right? That's who it was. Radley Hiles. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, that was just to me, and I don't know the kid and, nope. you know, anything about him, but that was a, if you're going to take a shot like that, that's a fitting in for you to end your college career, you to end your season at least. Right. Because that, that, I mean, that could have really hurt somebody. He's not looking for it. It was late. He launched, you know, helmet to helmet. Everything you're looking at was the easiest targeting call you're ever going to have. And, but yet, Bama, you know, it was the easiest, but it had to go to the replay booth. They had to stop it. Yeah. The ACC yeah, crew was abysmal. Oh, they were terrible, and it's a good thing that it, it, it was a good thing that they weren't part of the story because of what Pearl was right. doing. That you know the game was out of hand, and I feel a little bit bad for Jalen Hurts. But you know we talked about it Friday, Ken. You know, Ed Orgeron, he was going to absolutely make Hurts beat him throwing the football, and he couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. we talked, you know, we said, listen, if it's a throwing contest between Burrow and Hurts, there's there's no contest, and there wasn't. And um, Oklahoma's defense, you know, kind of got exposed a little bit, and but again, a guy that's just in total command of the offense, without his best running back, and he's probably going to have him back for the mm-hmm. bowl game or for the national championship game. So that, you know, that, I don't know if that makes him more dangerous. How could they be any more dangerous? But again, we're going to be talking about an all-time team here if LSU can finish the job, and and I think they can. Clemson, that was a great game again. I mean, Phenomenal. fantastic game against Ohio State. Um, I. I understand how Ohio State feels aggrieved a little bit. Uh, the targeting, targeting call and the ejection, I didn't have a problem with. It was the right call. The kid lowered, yeah. kid lowered his head. Lead, if he'd have just led face up, I think he would have gotten mm-hmm. away with it. We'd have been okay. Um, the fumble, I thought in real time it was incomplete. Uh, when I looked at it again, it, it was like the receiver caught the ball and the defender's arm both at the same time. And I thought he had both hands on it, took a couple steps, started to make a move, and then the arm ripped it out. But the officials on the field, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do, let it play out, and then it got overturned by replay. So I understand how they feel a little aggrieved on that one. But really, Ohio State lost that game in the first half when they had to kick three field goals. Bama, it should have been 28 20. zip. It should have been 28 yeah, zip. 20. game should have been out of hand. Exactly. 28, 24, something. 24, you know, yeah, 24. I think you're right. Something. Let's say yeah. 24, nothing. And now all of a sudden, you know, Clemson's really having to play from behind. But, uh, you know, each of them kind of suffer. You know, Higgins going out early mm-hmm. really hurt Clemson, I thought. I thought Dobbins getting hurt. Uh, and I thought he showed a lot of courage and guts playing through a, what looked like a pretty painful, obviously, ankle injury. Um, and I feel bad for Justin Fields because on that last play, it was obvious. Yeah. The receiver at the very second he goes to release that football, mm-hmm. he turns a post into a corner, and he's just at that point he's he's hung out left to dry. But what a great game! Both those teams were deserving. Uh, they were thirteen and zero for a reason. I thought one of the disappointing things, Ken. I mean, Chase Young was a mm-hmm. was really a non-factor in that game. He certainly didn't wreck the game. I'm not even sure he affected it that much, and. I, I don't I don't know why I don't know if it was scheme or or what it was but he did not he, I mean we've seen him certainly just take over games and wreak havoc and and he didn't do that so that was that was disappointing for me but you know going back to it again what a, what a great game two great teams you know a coach that had never lost a quarterback that had never lost and it really came down to the final few seconds and 
you know, off Clemson goes again, and man, they got They got They have the biggest challenge ahead of them now that they probably had in the Dabo Sweeney era of of trying to knock off a an absolute juggernaut and Joe Burrow in that LSU offense. The semifinal games as a whole, outside of the latest one, Clemson Ohio State, have been kind of duds, and a big part of that has been Oklahoma. Another dud out of yeah. them. Yeah. What, what, were they on four? Yeah. What they are on four in the playoff. What What do we do with this program? Where Where are they? Where do they go? That's a great question because they seem to. I don't. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, part of it is listen. You got. You get there. Okay. Now the Georgia game in the Rose Bowl was great. The one with Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, that was a compelling game. But you're right. It, it just. It. I don't know. I don't know if, if it's the transfer quarterback. You know, the one and done. You don't have a chance to build cohesiveness, and then you get into a playoff game and. You know, you're coming up against a really good team. I don't, I don't know if it's the level of competition in the Big Twelve. I think that has a lot to do with it, Bam. I think we're finding out that this uh, this Big Twelve certainly this year is an overrated bunch. They have they're zero and three. Maybe K State beats Navy. I don't. I like Georgia. I like uh, Utah to beat Texas. I like Georgia to beat Baylor. I think you, you might be onto something, Bama. Maybe it's the Big Twelve, and there's a reason they get left out every now and then, right? Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. I mean, and and. Listen, Clemson doesn't play in a good conference either, but Clemson, I think we've shown, is kind of on another level. They are they are an elite program mm-hmm. that's been established year over year over year. That's fair. Continuity on the coaching staff. Um, I, I don't know what it is, bro. But listen, it goes back to Bob Stoops, too. I mean, it's not just Lincoln O'Reilly. I mean, Stoops, how many – and forever, you know, oh, this is Oklahoma's year, and, you know, they, they wind up losing to K-State or Kansas or somebody like that. This goes back a decade or more, and – I don't know what it is, but you're right, uh, and I don't know how that's going to play into the committee next year. I know they've got a uh, a new quarterback. Man, what a great name! I can't remember the kid's first name, but I know his last name is Rattler, and he's from Arizona. I mean, it couldn't just is that the kid who got it? That's the kid who got in late, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sitting here going, Spencer Man, Rattler, a kid, a kid named Rattler from Arizona. I mean, yeah. could it be more perfect? So I don't know how he's going to turn out. They're going to recruit well every year. A lot of it's going to depend on what their coach does, Kenny. I mean, you know this, Lincoln Riley. He's he is he has not shut the door on the NFL. He says, "I expect to be here. I have no plans mm-hmm. to be coaching in the NFL." But you damn well know if Jerry Jones comes calling with ten million bucks a year, it is going to be really hard to say no. And I don't know if we're going to find out. I'm sure he has his eye on the NFL one day. I don't know when that day is going to be. Um, he he's done a he's you know done a great job just taking over for Stoops and what was really an odd, awkward, out of the blue situation. Just Bob Stoops up and retiring, um, and then kind of handing the reins over. and And I think Riley's done a great job, but um, he's and maybe that's I, I don't I don't think it's hurting them in recruiting. Um, certainly not for the quarterback position, but. The only answer that I have is again the Big Twelve, and you know maybe they're not as good a league as what we think they are because you're right, they keep winning it, and they keep getting in, and they keep getting blown out. So I, I don't know, I don't know how that's sitting with OU fans, but probably not very well. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, Bama, let's look forward to uh, to a couple of games uh, on, uh, well, certainly on New Year's Day. I mean, there's some good. I like the Alamo Bowl. I do. I like Texas, Utah. I just like the Alamo Bowl. Period. Orange Bowl yeah, tonight, Florida, Virginia. I, I don't know Virginia. I'm kind of anxious to see the you know the SEC versus an ACC type of thing. I like the Gators, but you know let let's start with the Citrus Bowl. Alabama's they're 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 not used to being in this spot. They play a Michigan team. Which one of these two teams is more likely? Not to be motivated and not want to be there, and if get they get punched in the mouth, you know, in the first quarter, kind of folds the tent. Who, who's more likely to be Alabama or Michigan that were reconvening on Thursday? And boy, they they laid a stinker. You could tell that they wanted to be any but any place uh, but the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's a great question, Ken. I don't think Alabama is going to fold up the tent. I, I I don't. I know they have a couple players that aren't playing. The guys that are there, you always get into the situation of, you know, quote unquote business decisions. Okay. So now they're playing in a game. They know they're going to be in the NFL draft pick. Are they going to try to put, are they going to try to improve their stock or are they going to go, oh, you know, maybe I'm just not going to stick my nose into this pile? Um, I would say if a team is more likely to lay an egg, it's Michigan. Although I would think this is a, to me, this is a big game for Michigan. They got blown out last year in the Peach Bowl. By Florida, who was an average team. Now they yeah. they're kind of coming up now against what until this year had has let's face it over the last decade has been the standard in the sport. I mean, five national championships, Nick Saban, every SEC, everything that goes with it. If if you kind of can't get up for this game, if you're Michigan, then I I don't know what you what you can get up for. You, but Alabama, you're right. I mean, they're going to have you know Mac Jones is going to play. Uh, Jerry Judy's playing. Play. Yep. Uh, Najee Harris is playing, I believe. Um, yeah, I haven't heard I otherwise Ruggs, either. Yeah, Ruggs is out. They got a couple other guys. Uh, you know, Deontay Thompson's going to play. So, I I think Alabama will somehow be motivated. I mean, if you remember the last time this happened, the last time they weren't really playing in a playoff or a BCS before that, it was that Michigan State game. I think it was in 2010. And they had Mark Mark Ingram, Julio Jones, uh, guys like that. And they just ran over Michigan State. I don't expect that uh, on Wednesday. But if they're motivated, they're better than Michigan. They just have more talent. They have more depth. They might even have, crazy as it sounds, a better quarterback. I don't know. Uh, you know, than Shea Patterson's Patterson. had his moments, but yeah. Yeah, Michigan just hasn't been able to do mm-hmm. it against in big games against big teams that are more talented than them. And Alabama's a more talented team, but you're right. It's all these games are so hard to predict. It's all about motivation. It's just, and I think Saban will have them ready to play. I'll be really surprised if they if this team comes out and lays an egg because I think he's probably said, "Look, if you don't want to be here, don't come. We'll come. We'll play with the guys that want to be here. All you seniors or juniors, whatever, draft eligible. If you don't want to play, that's okay." But by God, if you do play, you know, so you're going to play up to our standards. So I, I would expect Alabama to play well. And if they play well, I would expect Michigan to have a rough time with them. How about the Rose Bowl? Oh. Wisconsin, Oregon, two great defenses, yeah. two excellent offensive lines, two quarterbacks a little bit different, though Cone's numbers mm-hmm. overall are pretty yeah, solid. Statistically, yeah. had a nice year, didn't he? What, what do you think we're going to see uh, in 4 o'clock our time, Rose Bowl, Oregon, Wisconsin? Yeah, this is this is fun. This, to me, this is mm-hmm. much better than the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah me too. Yes. Come later that night. Yeah. I mean, Wisconsin. We know what they like. We know that mm-hmm. you know 
they like to run it with Jonathan Taylor, they're going to run it with Jonathan Taylor. Um, Herbert, I think for Oregon is probably one of the top two or three. I know, I know we're getting a lot of attention on, and rightly so, on Burrow and mm-hmm. and some other guys. But this is a guy that's he's going to play on Sundays, and he's probably going to have a chance to start next year on on Sunday. So I just, man, I don't know. Oregon's defense is so much improved. I just think Oregon's offense is better than Wisconsin's defense. I I, I do, and I think that. I would I would expect something in the range of I don't know twenty seven twenty eight to maybe seventeen to twenty. I think I think Oregon wins by a score. I just like I love the way Herbert's playing. I like what Cristobal's doing there. He's got them more physical. They're playing defense. Now they're gonna they're gonna see an offensive line and a power game that they don't see in the Pac twelve. I mean I know the Pac twelve is kind of shifting. You know Utah uh, is better on defense. Oregon's better on defense. Uh, Washington is okay on defense. They're trying to get better on defense, but they're not going to see. You don't see anything in the Pac-12 like you're going to these these big beef eaters that you're going to see for Wisconsin. But that being said, man, I just like the way Herbert throws the football, and I, I just think they're going to be able to score enough. I think both teams want to be in this game. You know, Oregon's probably a little disappointed uh, that they maybe didn't get a shot in the playoff, but I think all that's behind them, and and I think both these teams are going to be motivated and really want to put on a performance. And this is a great reward for both these teams who've had a, a, a good season, uh, especially by their standards. And I just like Oregon ultimately to, to win the game. But I think it's going to be packed. It's going to be you know, green on one side oh, and red I can't on wait. the other in the stadium. It's going to be a beautiful setting. I mean, it just really – it always is. Yep. But when there's two teams that want to be there – and you get a passionate fan bases on both sides, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. And I, I like Oregon. I know, Trent, you're on Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. you did uh, convince me to because I was going to unload in my confidence pool on Oregon. On the Ducks? Yeah, and I, and I tapped the brakes big time uh, in advance of that. Here's, here's one for both of you. We only got like a, a, a minute left, but let's go to the 31st. Trent, it's the Liberty Bowl, and I know you you really like K State in this football game, and this might be the Big Twelve's chance to, you know, to get a win this bowl season because I don't see a Baylor beating Georgia, and um, I, I just don't see it. And I don't think that Texas is going to upset Utah. So K State, uh, Perry, the quarterback, Malcolm Perry for Navy is such an incredible weapon. We saw them dismantle Army. K State's good. Kleiman's done a phenomenal job there. Why do you like K-State, Trent? I think more than anything, it's the preparation time. And we've seen this and with the guy, a defensive-minded coach, Lake Kleiman, what he's been able to do. I just think the extra preparation, they're going to be able to slow down Malcolm Perry. And it's a tight line, right? Uh, two maybe and a half. by a couple? Yeah, two and a half yeah. is the number in this one. So more than anything, that's what it is. I still have my concerns about the K-State and what they can do offensively. But Navy... They do give up explosive plays, and we saw certainly the Oklahoma game. Kansas State can score yeah. that way. Indeed. Bama, do you have an opinion on that game in 30 seconds or so before we let you go? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, the, that offense, we talked about it a hundred times, that triple option offense, you can prepare all you want, but until you see it and, and it's executed in the precision that maybe runs it, 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 you just can't prepare for it. And that being said, though, I do love what Kleiman's doing. I mean, he, he – He's been one of the better hires, first-year coaches. I mean, talking about a, a team that looks like they got it right, and I think K-State's got it right. I mean, listen, Navy's never going to beat you throwing the football, so I would expect 
nine people in the box and say, listen, you know, what do you throw, one pass against Army? Yeah, the over-under, um, I'm going to set it at two and a half. <laughs> the passes? Take yes. the under. Yeah, I will, I'll, I'll take the over because I think they're going to have to throw to catch up a little bit. Okay. See. I like K, I, I like K-State. Well, listen, I'd love it for Navy to win, but you're right. Their defense is a little leaky. They don't play in a great conference, um, so the level of competition – I think this is going to be a step up for them, and because I, I do like first-year coach climbing. I think this is a, a stepping stone. I think he'll have his team ready. Um, I, I like Kansas State in this game. I, I just, even though I love the quarterback uh, Perry and what he did, mm-hmm. particularly against uh, in the Army game, but uh, I'll take the Wildcats in this. One. Good stuff, uh, Bama. We'll talk to you later on in the week. Thank you, Bama. Bob, appreciate it. Always enjoy, guys. Take care. As do we. Uh, Bama Bob, talking college football. You can follow Bama on Twitter, at Bama Bob. Uh, Trent and I will take a quick timeout. We'll come back. Scott Dockerman will join the program next. It's coming up on 1125 here, 1123 to be precise. Uh, we will head to, uh, well, with Doc. I'm not sure. Did Doc come home? Do you know? Is he back? I'm not positive. I'm not positive either. Uh, I think Mark took a couple of days he to is. stay. Yeah, he's in still in SoCal. San Diego. Yep. Why wouldn't you? It's a wonderful city. We'll uh, take. Uh, we'll catch up with Scott Darkerman from the Athletic next as we take you until noon. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen. This is a very tax extra. Twenty-four hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is fourteen sixty KXNO. Cond in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, talking football with you in this segment, and Iowa football in particular, maybe some Big Ten as well. Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic joins us. He was in San Diego, but he's back in the wonderful state of Iowa and joins Trent and I. Doc, uh, thanks for coming on, Scott Dockerman. How are you this morning, sir? You know, I'm not too bad. Uh, just a slight cold from coming back from San Diego, but other than that, uh, you know, we usually don't see days like this in late December without snow, so I guess we'll take it. Yeah, we've got snow here. We, yeah, we had did, snow. Yeah. Did you guys get it in the eastern part of the snow? We got a dusting uh, when we woke up this morning. There was snow on the ground, Doc. Uh, slight. Gotcha. To the point where it's barely noticeable. Gotcha. Well, let's not do weather. Let's do football. That's what people want to hear. And uh, Hawkeye fans, I, they certainly liked what they saw going back to Friday night. Uh, Brian Ferentz, Doc, um, just a spectacular game plan. The misdirection that was on full display early in the game. USC had no answer for Brian Ferentz in the game plan that he cooked up. It was a good game. It was a close game till Slovis went out. But Brian Ferentz deserves a lot of credit for his game game plan on Friday night without a doubt uh you know that was something that USC was susceptible to during the season I know I talked to our USC reporter who uh had mentioned that they are really vulnerable to jet sweeps Iowa saw it scouted it and decided to attack it did early on with Tyro Tracy and with uh you know Mir Smith Marset they did it in so many different ways and it was it was really unusual for Iowa and but I think it was the right move, and man, did it pay off. I mean, that was as uh, solid of an offensive performance as we've seen. And, and I asked Kirk Ferentz right after the game, I said, is this Brian's best game? He goes, well, you got to think back to this, the Ohio State game. But other than that one, I think this is right there. And uh, certainly he, uh, he, he used his month well, and he had the right quarterback pulling the trigger. Mm. 
you know, certainly a sign of things to come. I, I'm sure you saw it on your Twitter feed, Doc, though. Where's this offense been all year? Why haven't they been? I think the, the injuries that they had, starting with Alaric Jackson, what, 13 snaps into the season, he wasn't himself throughout the year, and then the shuffling that they had at the guard position. How debilitating was that for this offense throughout the season? Yeah, the injuries are an issue, of course, uh, you, you know, and so are the opponents. You know, when Iowa's playing, you know, Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin, you can't expect them to score 49 on those teams. You expect them to score what they roughly did, but a little bit more than what they did. And I think what you what you do need to ask is the schematic part of this. And and there is a, a question. I talked to Joel Klatt for a little while after the game and wrote it in my story. Is you know he said one of the things with Iowa is they they always try to establish the run, and once they can, then they work to other things. And in this case, they just did not even think about that as the possibility they just went straight to a regular offense and then worked the run in there and i think that's something they really need to be cognizant of in the future because when they aren't running the ball well when it's uh first and ten and they run an outside zone and they get one yard and then second and nine they uh you know try an inside zone and they get three yards it's just uh you know you're really behind the chains in a lot of cases this situation they're very aggressive in their play calling and they worked the run in there and it was very effective so i think if if Brian Ferentz learned anything from this experience, I think that's got to be part of it, that if you're going to keep that zone scheme and still make it the primary tenant of your running game, you can't rely on it to, you know, as your number one attribute. You've got to work other things in there. If you can, then it can be effective. Otherwise, uh, the offense, even with dynamic wide receivers, could struggle a lot of the game. Uh, USC's got a dynamic quarterback in Slovis who was playing very good football until uh, Epinesa decided to make a play. And Epinesa was really good uh, and ended Slovis' season. Um, I don't know if it was a rotator cuff or whatever the injury, the official um, injury, what they're, how they're calling it, uh, whatever. Slovis couldn't uh, stay in the game. Uh, made a big difference, Doc. Matt Fink, um, you know, he's not the same quarterback. How big of a difference do you think? Is this a closer football game if Slobus is able to go the distance? Sure it is. Uh, you know, he was incredible, I thought. I mean, for being a true freshman, I thought I looked at this guy and went, wow, this guy could be a Heisman candidate in a year or two. He's that good. Uh, you know, it just depends on if they can get a defense to match. And my guess is next year he'll be pretty dynamic as well. Then in two years they'll have a new coach, and mm-hmm. uh, then he'll end up winning the Heisman. That's kind of what I think was Slovis. But uh, they'll, uh, I think what would have happened is Iowa still would have won, but it would have been a little bit more of a shootout. And, and Iowa got to that kind of uncomfortable pause at some point in the second half where they weren't sure, okay, you're up 11. Do you go into slow it down mode or do you keep being aggressive? And they couldn't quite figure that one out. But, uh, you know, otherwise, I still think Iowa wins, but it's probably quite a bit closer because Slovis will get them across the goal line one or two more times and probably doesn't throw that pick six. Talk with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic after the Iowa 49 points put up. Special teams, it was Smith-Marset all over the place. We talked about the misdirection. He was a part of that. The kick return, second kick return in as many games, uh, including the one against Nebraska. But him as a wide receiver. Ken has been on this from the forefront. Maybe a decision to be made. He didn't put his name in for evaluation. Could he still? Could he uh, go back to the advisory committee and say, let's see what they think of me right now? Oh, I, I suppose I don't know what the deadline is. I think it's the twenty second. Name it, is it? Yeah. For the, okay, for the okay. Yeah. Uh, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. This, this class is loaded with wide receivers. It's true. 
and uh, he's at best he would be in the third tier at this point. He just doesn't, you know, he's still six one and one seventy five, and and in that league, and he's just he, he wouldn't. I think he still has a lot of room to grow, but that said, he's a dynamic mm. playmaker and, you know, scoring three touchdowns in one quarter, you know, three different ways and nearly a fourth by throwing it. I mean, he, he did run a touchdown in that drive, but uh, was was a very impressive. He's got a career at the next level, I believe, and it's probably that of about a fourth wide receiver and uh, a primo kick returner. Uh, he's right now the all-time leading kick returner in Big Ten history and average at 29-9. Uh, that's almost three and a half yards, I believe, more than Desmond Howard, who's number three. So he is electric. He's got next year. He he's going to be on that list of you know preseason All Americans in that position. He's also going to be considered one of the better wide receivers in the Big Ten. And then you combine him with Brandon Smith, who looked pretty good for his first uh, mm-hmm. uh, work out there, and, and, and Tyro Tracy and, and Nico Regani. I mean, this is. I think this is the best wide receiver core I've seen at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really, DJK and Marvin McNutt, I think Marvin was the best wide receiver. I think DJK was right there as number two. But uh, I think for depth and for production, it's hard to beat this one. And they still got a year to go. So I think they can only get better. You know, a couple of young guys, Doc, on the defensive side of the football. I mean, who saw Jack Kerner coming, right? Uh, and, and look, he had his moments where he probably, uh, there were some weeks that the film was a little bit more difficult for him to watch, but great learning experience. Nobody saw the impact he was going to have. Dane Belton's another kid, uh, who we didn't really realize, uh, you know, what kind of player that he might be. But those are a couple of kids, young kids, freshmen, Kerner and Belton, who were, you know, forced in some cases due to injury into roles and took advantage. I mean, I don't see Kerner giving that spot up, and Belton's getting better. How about those two, Doc? Without a doubt, they've been really good, and, and Dane Belton has played that position. I mean, it's hard to replace, uh, you know, Amani Hooker, who was the you know defensive back of the year, but he's done a really adequate job of that lately, and he's a good tackler. He's, he plays well in space. He's, he's a good cover player. Um, I just see nothing but good things for him as a true freshman to break in and play that way. That's that's really impressive. And, and Jack Kerner is just the next in a great line of um, Iowa gives the in-state guys and, and regional guys that opportunity. It's kind of like, you know, once you get in, it doesn't matter if you have a scholarship or not. Everybody's the same. And he worked himself in that position. He's a big physical guy, smart guy. You know, at times, yeah, he, was, he struggled, but, but really not as much as you'd think. Mm-hmm. He's not giving that position up. He's going to be there for two more years, and he'll be one of the better safeties in the Big Ten when it's all, by the time it's all over with. So, Geno Stone, with his decision, say he does move on. Is it a shuffling of the safety position? Does Belton move over to one of those safety spots? Is it Merriweather, who we saw get injured earlier this season? How do you think that plays out minus Geno Stone? Yeah, great question, Trent. I think it's, it's probably, I mean, I, I would say, you know, Belton was the one who was, taken a rep or two there so that's really it's really hard to say because i i want to know from phil parker's perspective which position does he value more is it a safety or is it a cash mm, good if question it, if it's the safety then belton goes there because he's he's the better of the players at, at least at this point uh but you know it and it could very well be that you know Belton's equally good at both but merriweather is only good at one and 
see one of your best five out there. So I think there's they have room to tinker with that in the spring, and certainly we have room to talk about it. But I think at this point you you, do, you figure which is more important, the safety or the cash, and can another corner or one of the many that they have in the backups, can they play that position as well? So I, I think they've got time to figure it out, but I think they got a lot of pieces there, and I think they got to really beat the secondary. Uh, Doc, three Big Ten schools yet to participate in their bowl game. They will all do so. Well, actually, there's, actually, there's uh, Illinois today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Illinois today. Yeah. So, so then once we get through today, as I was saying, uh, there'll be three Big Ten schools left on January the 1st. Uh, Michigan will play uh, Alabama, Minnesota, Auburn, and then, of course, the granddaddy of them all, Wisconsin up against Oregon. So those three in particular will save the Red Box Bowl. Uh, how do you think on New Year's Day, when the country's watching college football bowl games, how does the Big Ten hold up? Those are really tough matchups, and uh, you know, I, I Minnesota Auburn. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to handle uh, Derek Brown, the line of scrimmage for for uh, Auburn. I think they could get in a shootout, but I think they're probably going to lose a shootout. That said, I think it could be a very entertaining Outback Bowl. Uh, Michigan and Auburn. I mean, is I mean, Michigan and Alabama, Alabama yeah. that's got to that's got to be. I mean, as marquee names go, there's really no bigger. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just those are the two of the the, the best, and, and then also the coaches. Uh, just there's so much in there. It's a lot of it's going to be about the motivation for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Do they care to play Michigan? And what about for Michigan? You know, so I think Alabama's a better team. But that said, you know, bowl games are unpredictable at times, and then. Uh, I, I like, I really like the the Oregon Wisconsin matchup. I think those are two really evenly matched teams, physical teams. You have the you have three All Americans on Wisconsin side. You have Penny Sewell, the best offensive lineman in the country yep. for Oregon. He's only a true sophomore, so he can't even enter the draft yet. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be a really fascinating uh, game. I, I, I give, I, I would say the Big Ten if they're one or two, that's probably a good day. But that said, I think they could be it could be really entertaining matchups. Get one of those upsets, have Wisconsin get the win, and uh, certainly could improve the narrative overall for the Big Ten Conference. As we go to the offseason, Doc, short of the quarterback position, who replaces Nate Stanley, what else is the biggest question in your mind with Iowa football? Uh, it is that, that the quarterback is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, wrote a, I wrote a ton today about mm-hmm. Spencer Petras, so uh, I think uh, everybody should take a look at that piece because he's, uh, uh, he's beloved already, a uh, different kind of personality. As far as Outside of that goes, uh, you know, a probably defensive tackle. Uh, yeah. You're losing starters there, you know, a defensive end probably. You know, you're yeah. probably going to lose a starter there. So, you know, who replaces them and how good are they going to be? I mean, Davion Nixon got really good late in the year. Wagner, played some, Wagner made some plays on Friday night, Doc. He did. Yep. Yeah, he had a good grade for yep. not playing very much. But I think, you know, is he going to be inside or outside? Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a question. You know, do they try to bulk him up and make him play D-tackle or does he – Stay at end and start. Uh, you know, Goldston's coming back. He's going to be great. I think Dixon's going to be great. But I think those up two other spots to me are, are the big question mark outside of quarterback. Quarterback is the question mark, and it is something that we should discuss every time we get a chance to, guys. Well, we'll have plenty <laughs> of chances to do so, Doc, because uh, we certainly appreciate what, uh, your contribution and what you do for our program. So you will do periodically make your way over to Carver to see some hoops? What's your, what's the athletics plan for their Iowa beat writer Scott Dockerman this winter? A lot of, still writing a lot of football. There's mm-hmm. never really an off season yep. for that. You know, get try to get some of the uh, 
recruiting done there. But also, uh, yeah, I will make my way there. In fact, I think next Monday I'll have a mid-season report on Iowa basketball, which is it comes at kind of a perfect time. We're going to do that kind of uh, you know, company-wide where, hey, here's a reintroduction to basketball for all of you who <laughs> haven't really followed it right. for the first couple of months. So, and, and myself included, for that matter. I mean, I have, but just, you know, gets me to get it better. So, yeah, I'll work my way over there. I've got a few stories that I'm working on. And, and uh, yeah, it still should be uh, pretty entertaining. And then, you know, the, my friends who work at newspapers, they'll have the day-to-day, but I'll try to do some bigger topic pieces that I think will have, uh, you know, some pretty good impact. Well, we'll recap that uh, midseason basketball piece with you one week from today when you join us, and we're grateful that you do so. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Uh, Doc, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you. Thank you. Scott Dockerman uh, joining us from The Athletic. All right, a quick time. Uh, we're going to do something different. We're going to uh, pay thanks to uh, one of the uh, fine advertisers that really – do a lot for our program. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the Claxons giveaway on Fridays. I do. Um, I'm grateful for what they did for me this week. I mean, Andy bought me my birthday dinner. Oh, really? Yes, and I ate it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You got filled up, huh? Yeah, it was so good. Uh, but he's going to come in here, and we're going to talk about his fine. I mean, he's, they're, they're very good to us. We've only got mm-hmm. a couple of minutes left. So he'll join us on the other side of that as we take you up until noon on Des Moines Sports Station 14. Two, three, hugs. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, final few minutes here of the year, quite frankly, is uh, this is our final program uh, for 2019. Likewise for Murph and Andy today at 2, and then the Fanatics at 4. Well, as you know, if you're a regular listener to the program, and we certainly are grateful for that, on Fridays we give you an opportunity to win some uh, terrific barbecue from our friends at Claxons, 3131 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. This coming Friday will be no different, but uh, knowing that we're probably going to have only four or five minutes at the end of the year, we thought we'd bring in Mr. Claxons himself. Andy is here. Uh, 24 years in, in the restaurant business is quite a badge of honor, sir. You're doing something right to make it that uh, make it that long in the business. How are you? Doing just fine. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. No. It has been a long, a long uh Long stint. No, sure. no question. Your second spot, I mean, the original is where I first found you. When I was still at Prairie Meadows, we'd go over for lunch, and the lunch special was still was great. And I'm sure it's, uh, you know, you're doing very well lunch-wise. But you're in that new building, uh, which is what, just uh, what, like a, literally a stone's throw from the Walmart in Altoona, right? Absolutely, yeah. So we're kind of just a little bit east of the Walmart, and we're directly west of the south entrance to Prairie Meadows. And doing very well. Um, you know, your, your food itself. So let, let's, your life. Let me go inside your life. So I'm eating ribs or I'm eating brisket, and I know that that's just not something you slap together, the preparation for this. Rubbing the meats and leaving it overnight, I mean, kind of go into that because it's it's quite a process before it hits your plate. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, I was doing a little bit of catering and, and cooking a long time and been in the business since I was 16 years old. So uh, I hate to admit it, but that's, you know, pushing 40 years of doing this stuff. And uh, so I always liked to barbecue things and manage restaurants. I used to manage Iowa Beef Steakhouse oh, did for, you? for Henry Schneider for a couple of years yeah. and uh, attended bar there for a long time, worked at the 
Greenbrier for a few years. And uh, so we just uh, finally decided that it was time. And so we took the old real estate building in Altoona, and, mm-hmm. and three of us uh, basically turned that thing into a restaurant. And so we've been uh, we've been doing it for a long time. We started with a one sheet menu and did strictly barbecue stuff back then, and that was uh, coming up with our own rubs, our own barbecue sauces, and and things like that that I worked on for years before we opened. And uh, the barbecue sauce, um, we still have our original sauce that we've used since day one. We've so incorporated good. one more since then, which is a Kansas City sweet heat. But we don't like to do too many, uh, spread ourselves too thin on all the sauces and things like that. Um, we like to stick with uh, the tried and true stuff that's worked for us over the years. Andy, you mentioned, of course, uh, you guys, what you have at the restaurant, but also the catering side of things for people corporate or, or going deeper maybe wedding parties things like that tell us a little bit about the catering side of claxons absolutely we do quite a bit in fact we just did a wedding this weekend at the shrine in altoona for about 250 people uh, we know kids when they get married you know don't have a lot of money so we try to try to keep things reasonable for them you know we can uh, do stuff anywhere from you know 10 to 20 bucks a head depending on what they want they can we've had we've done hog roasts for wedding receptions which are a lot of fun um, we've even done some uh, italian style lasagna and pasta things like that and we do do quite a bit of uh corporate lunches things like that around mm-hmm. the altoona area but um you know it's it's something that i pretty much take care of the catering myself and do all the cooking for that the guys in the kitchen at the restaurant do a great job and we try to let them concentrate on that for the most part and then uh, i take care of all the catering duties but um it's a lot of fun to do weddings for people and we do do quite a bit of them um not as many this time of year but still a few Gotcha. Well, I know what you're going to be doing uh, tomorrow, at least I'm assuming. And I know that there's a lot of guys out there that or gals that uh, have yet to make plans for New Year's Eve. And don't look now. That's well, that's tomorrow night. You guys will be open if you still got room if people want to, you know, last minute type of thing. Oh, gosh, I forgot to do this or can you what what are you going to do tomorrow we do we do have uh, we do take reservations and we and we get people in and out quickly so you know if you do find yourself at a place that says they're on an hour or two hour wait give us a call because we get people in and out we've got a great special for tomorrow night we're doing a 36 ounce prime uh cowboy ribeye which not to be confused with a tomahawk ribeye which is kind of the gimmicky yep. thing with the big two foot bone mm-hmm. on it this is just a bone in prime ribeye steak and it's uh about two and a half inches thick it's a meal for two people it'll be 49.99 we keep it very reasonable it comes with four side dishes and it'll be served on a cutting board um and it's uh just a great piece of meat and it's cooked over a real oak wood fire and as we do, all of our burgers and steaks and things like that are all cooked over real oak wood. Uh, the regular menu will be available? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll be able to serve that special starting at 5, but the rest of the menu, the ribs and the brisket and the burn ends, mm. all those things will be available from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. tomorrow. We've night. got like 30 seconds left. More proud of your British... Boy, if you can only... It's like asking which of your kids, right? <laughs> uh, the ribs are unbelievable. I love the brisket. Which one do you, if you were sitting down to eat tonight, what would you order? 
I, you know, I think the way that we do our burn ends, um, which is is the cap of the brisket that we cut to order and toss on the grill for a minute. Mm -hmm. Those are just, I find it hard to be able to beat Mm -hmm. those. Um, but then again, the ribs, um, we cook them on that old Oklahoma Joe outside. Put them up against anybody. Andy, we're out of time. Listen, sincerely, thank you for what you do for Trent and I on Fridays. It's a great giveaway, the Claxons giveaway. 3131 8th Street, Southwest in Altoona. KlaxonBBQ.com online. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening to Miller and Condon. We'll talk to you in 2020 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX.